Good day, good morning, good evening, wherever you may be on the planet, we welcome you to Atlanta Discuss. I'm still your friend, your host, your moderator, Ade Balogun. Welcome once again to another fantastic and very interesting episode of Atlanta Discuss. Today we're talking about the rampaging Bolatinumbu army. Everybody knows who Bolatinumbu. If you don't know it, you can Google the name. If you're in Asia, you've never heard of him, just Google it. Bola Ahmed Tinumbu. So the topic for today is the rampaging Bola Tinumbu army is a colossus in the Nigerian political stratosphere. But I think it's worthy to talk about him. We've discussed him in the past about his alliance, political alliance, whether it will work or it won't work. But today we're going to analyze the Bola Tinumbu, the rampaging Bola Tinumbu army. As you all know, at Atlanta Discourse, we embrace all facets of humanity to disseminate positive news in a world filled with a lot of very bad news. We give a voice to the unheard always. We balance the information equation. We search and discuss the facts wherever it leads. We combine the best of the human race to get the best out of mankind. We serve as a bridge between the developing and the developed world. We embrace business, politics, arts, sports, IT, health, history and faith-based issues. We don't shy away from the fact. That's what we do at Atlantic Discourse. So, like I said earlier, we're going to analyze the rampage in Bola Tinumbu Army. We're breaking it down into three sections. The first one would be history and assembling of this, so to say, Bola Tinumbu, the so-called Bola Tinumbu Army. You know, we're going to look at the members of the army, the political lineage, the connection, where they are, who they are, you know. Secondly, we're going to look at the state of the army and its influence, you know. How connected are they? Where are they? Are they just based in the southwest? all over Nigeria, outside Nigeria. Your guess is as good as mine. We're going to find all that out. And thirdly, and which is finally, will it succeed where Aula and Abiola are filled? Those are also Southwestern Colossus. Those are Yoruba men that have tried to be president in the past and, you know, it didn't end for for them while Abiola lost his life. Awo did everything to get it, but he never got, got it. So it does look like Tinumbu has learned one or two things from Aulowa and Abiola, and he seems to be, you know, nudging himself ahead. And will he get it? Will the Aosafula new Ligaki allow him get it? The candidature, the leadership of the APC, the presidential flag bearership that he has currently, is it going to end well? Is he going to be president of Nigeria? Well, we never can tell. It's Nigeria. Anything can happen. So let's look at it clearly. Bola Ahmed, Bola Ahmed Adekule Tunubu, born 1952, is a Nigerian accountant and politician who has been national leader of the All Progressive Congress since the party's formation in 2013. He previously served as governor of Lagos State from 1999 to 2007 and a senator for Lagos West during the Third Republic. We're going to talk about that too. In January 2002, he announced his intention to run for the APC nomination for president of Nigeria in 2003 presidential election. After spending his early life in the southwestern part of Nigeria, Tinubu studied accountant accounting yeah, in the United States before working abroad for several years. He returned to Nigeria in the mid-1980s and continued working in the financial management sector before entering politics as a successful Lagos uh, West senatorial candidate. That's in 1992 under the SDP, you know, that's uh, the Social Democratic Party. After dictator Sonia Bacha dissolved the Senate in 1993, Tinubu became an activist campaigning for the return of democracy as part of the National Democratic Coalition Movement, what we used to call at that time NADECO. 
you know. So although it was forced into exile in 1994, Tinubu returned the Abacha, uh, returned after Abacha died. In 1998, triggering the beginning of the transition to the Fort Republic. That's when you can technically say inside building the army, the, the rampaging Balatinubu army. So in the in the, in the first post-transition Lagos State gubernatorial election, Tinubu won by a wide margin as a member of the Alliance for Democracy over the People's Democratic Party, Dapos Arumi then, who of course was his uh, political leader when he started under SVP. We're going to talk a little bit about that too. And the All People's Party, Nasiru Din Kekerekun, you know. So four years later, I won re-election for a second time over Funshaw Williams, the late Funshaw Williams now, by a reduced margin. Tinubu's two terms were marked by attempts to modernize Lagos and his feud with the SDP-controlled federal government, you know, very bold guy. Confronted Obasanjo, you know. After leaving office in 2007, Tinubu retained his status as one of Nigeria's most influential politicians, as his allies often filled high offices throughout the Southwest. Those are the army, the rampaging army. And he played a key role in the formation of the All Progressive Congress in 2013. Long and controversial career this guy has had, but Tinubu's career has been plagued by accusation of corruption question about veracity of his personal history. So in June 2022, he was chosen as the all-progressive Congress candidate for the 2023 presidential election, which is why we're doing what we're doing today. Will you get it? This rampage army, will they succeed? So having pulled 1,371 votes to clinch the ticket and uh, defeating 13 other aspirants in the process, he is the flag bearer of that party. So Balatinumbu that's in a nutshell. But history and assembly of the army, we can go quickly back to the SDP days. That's when he started, you know, his uh, early political career, which began in 1992. He joined the Social Democratic Party where he was a member of the People's Front faction led by Sheikh Musa Yaradua and made up of other politicians such as Umaru Yaradua, Atiku Abubaka, Babagana Kingibe, Rabi Okwakwaso, Abdullah Ali, Sumaila, Magaji Abdullah, Dakos Arumi Ayomi Edu. Look at all those names I've mentioned, you know. They are all Atiku Abubaka, who is also the candidate of the People's Democratic Party today. So he was elected to the Senate under the SDP umbrella there, representing the Lagos West constituency in a short-lived Nigeria Third uh, Republic, the one I mentioned earlier that Abacha truncated before he went into exile. So after the result of the June 12, 1993 presidential election were annulled, Tinubu became a founding member of the pro-democracy uh, group, the National Democratic Coalition, NADECO, I mentioned earlier, a group which mobilized support for the restoration of democracy and recognition of Moshud Abiola as winner of the June 12 election. Following the seizure of power as military head of state by the then late General Bacha, he went into exile in 1994 and returned to the country in 1998 after the death of the military dictator, which ushered in the transition to the Fourth Republic and he became governor, you know, under the alliance of democracy. At least in the run-up to the 1999 election, Blatinobu was a protege of the alliance of democracy. AD leaders, Abramade Soy, Adebajo, who was one of the you know, godfathers of AD then, who everybody said installed him. He went on to win the AD primaries in Lagos State and he became governor of Lagos State. So the rest is history. When he assumed governor of Lagos State in 1999, Tinubu promised 10,000 housing units for the poor with little achieved. You know, he wasn't able to succeed in that area. During the eight-year period of being in office, he made large investments in education in the state. He also reduced the number of schools in the state by returning many schools 
to the owners, to the, uh, the mission, like Ansar Odin, the Anglican Church, the missionaries, so to say. So he also initiated new road construction, required to meet the need of the fastest growing population of the state. Tumulo Tinumbu, alongside a new deputy governor, Femi Pedro, won re-election into office in 2003. All other states in the South have fell to the People's Democratic Party. We remember the PDP tsunami under Obasanjo. So he was involved in a struggle with Obasanjo, uh, control federal government at that time over whether Lagos State had the right to create new local government development council to meet the needs of a large population. The controversy led to the federal government seizing funds meant for uh, the local council in Lagos State. During the later part of his time in office, he was engaged in continuous clashes with PDP powers such as Dadisha Yogulewe, a former Lagos State senator who became Minister for Works and Bode George and all that. It's important to know that Ogulewe is now a member of uh, APC under the leadership of Tinubu, at least in Lagos State. So relationship between Tinubu and uh, Femi Pedro became in- increasingly tense. And Femi Pedro declared his decision to run for governor at that time. Tinubu did not sanction it. Pedro uh, competed to become the AC candidate for Lagos in 2007 election, but withdrew his name on the eve of the party nomination. He defected to Labour Party whilst they keeping his position as deputy governor. Tinubu's tenure as Lagos State governor ended in 29 May 2007 when his successor, Babatudev Raji Fashola of the Action Congress took office, who was then his chief of staff. So, that is what you call the preamble, you know, and all that. So, how can we see history of assembly the army? We have a background into who Bola Tinubu is and his connection. First thing, for if you look at the commissioners he had in, in 1999, I'm telling you how he assembled his army. Because if you look at all the things I've said, on the STP days, he was already working with Atiku, Umari uh, Yaradwa, uh, Dr. Sarumi, just to mention a few, Yomi uh, Edu, uh, those were the at least Yomi Edu and Sarumi at that time were the who is who in Lagos politics. He was working with uh, King Gibe, you know, who already, who eventually became Abiola's running mate, you know. So you can see that he, he's always been spreading his tentacles. He, he, he had always actually been a member of the Yardwa political group, Abinishio. So he, that's where he really caught his teeth and from then he has never looked back. So if you look at 99 when he became commissioner, uh, governor, for example, you have people like Delia Lake, commissioner for information, Wali Edun was in finance, Professor Shobo Ali was in education, Yemi Fadotsko was budget and planning, Sakasenai was in cooperative, Alec Beshola was commissioner for work, Professor Shibajo was the attorney general, Alai Mohamed, I think, was chief of staff in his first term, but he now went to run for governor in Kwara State, his home state. So, Clearly, if you look at all the list of his commissioners, they all became something later. Even his ADC, the police guy that became his ADC, became a commissioner under Babatude Raji Fashola, and is now a traditional ruler. So he keeps empowering people and all that. But just to look at it, that's how he assembled it. He, he has a way to talent spot these guys. And every time people work for him, they, he just keeps seems. He keeps pushing them, nudging them to, you know, well, he's been betrayed, he's normal in politics, some have fall along the line, but then he keeps expand, expanding his scope. So, who are the members of this army? I've mentioned it. All those that were commissioners in 99, all the advisors from Araf Aregbe Shola to Professor Shibajo, who is the vice president now, to Yemi Kadoso, because if you look at this list of commissioners for 1999, you discover that there are three names. Professor Yemi Oshibajo, Wali Edu, 
Yemi Kadoso, the Commissioner for Finance, then Budget and Planning, the Attorney General. Those are the three names that, that were nominated for Vice President for Buhari before they eventually settled for Chibayo. So you can see that that 99 team of commissioners was the fulcrum of, of, of his evangelism, of his political evangelism, his political jihad, so to say, into the Southwest and, and what have you. Though politics need money. You know, but politics need lubrication, and money is a mode of lubrication. So now these are the members of his army, though, because most of them, even though they do business in Lagos, they are not or live in Lagos, they are not particularly Lagos. For example, Lai Mohammed is from Kwara, Ralf Aregbechala is from Oshun State, uh, Wali Edu, and uh, Professor Shibajo are all from Ogu State. So the, the the list is endless. You can keep going on. And Dele Alaki, for example, is from Ekiti. You know, if you look at Ekiti today, most of the guys, apart from Kaika Odefai, I mean, the Cuban governor, almost everybody that Tinumba has promoted for political office, they all started in Lagos. Some have been members of House of Rep from Lagos State. Some have been special advisors. Some, like the guys in Ondo State, like Ilori, Ilori did not succeed in getting anything tangible in Ogo State, but he was from Amu Ward of politics in Lagos State. So that's how he, everybody came across. It tells you, look, oh, okay, I know you do business in Lagos, you live in Lagos, you're politically serving Lagos, but go to your home state and work. We need to expand our horizon. And all these things started manifesting in 2003 when Obasanjo used the power of incumbency to subvert the Alliance for Democracy, which was popular in the Southwest then. That was when people like Governor Shoba lost to um, Binga Daniels, uh, Baba Konde lost to Ilola in Oshun, Governor Adebayo lost to Fayoshe in Ekiti, and uh, Almighty Lama Deshino, great guy, wonderful man he lost to uh um i forgot his name again this uh man in uh, or your state ladoja rashid ladoja you know so now tinubu learned from that he didn't go to sleep there were attempts to to take over Lagos state it just didn't work because tinubu did not allow it so what is the state of that army today yes that army has expanded its horizon for example, if you look at it in Lagos State, despite the fact that he has been in total control of Lagos State, in Ogun, when Oshoba lost, Daniel came in. Even Daniel, that PDP used against him, was partly brought into politics by Ashwa Jubala Tinubu. And the people will say that even Tinubu at that time did not mind Daniel taking over because he was his friend and he was backing him, meaning that he's so politically savvy that he plays both sides. But the emergence of Ibikulu Amosu as governor of, of Ogo State is not behind Tinumbu. He had a lot of input in that. Dakwabiadu is the current governor too, was fully backed by Ashiraju. Without Ashiraju, he'd be there. Ashiraju said it publicly recently, you know, the lay when he called him lay. So this, these are facts. I'm just looking at Ogun now. In Ekiti, of course, when Adebayo, who was a co-governor with Tinumbu in 99, when he lost out, and Fire came in, then Oni succeeded Fire Shay. Uh, Oni won Kao De Fire Me, who was sponsored also by Tinumbu. They went to court, they did everything they had to do, and Kao De Fire Me got it back. And since then, you know, it's been it's been Tinumbu, the rampaging Tinumbu. I mean, even though under Jonathan they lost to Fire Shay for a while, but Kao De Fire Me came back, you know, to claim his mandate. So you can technically say he is not just in control of Lagos, he's technically in control of Ogun, he's in control of Ekiti. If you look at your, yes, Lam lost to Ladoja, but eventually Ajimobi came back, you understand, through the support of the same Ashura Jubala Ahmed Tinumbu, 
you know, I mean, it was, was, it was fully, um, and Ajimobi and Amosu were brought in ab about the same time in 2011 with the input of this rampaging Bolatinumbu army. These are, these are, you know, senior men in that army, but they were all beneficiaries of it anyway. Now, uh, Ajimobi could not uh, consolidate on that. He lost to Makide. So, it, Oyo is technically, it is the only state in the southwest which the rampaging Balatinumbu army doesn't have a firm grip on right now. You know, though Aketi, who is the current governor, was fully supported by Balatinum because of past relationship and other, everything. We know Adifati was the first governor, but the Bobasajos tsunami brought in Agagu and Mimiko, of course, who came in, you know, even though he went on that label, we know he was also partly supported by Tidobo. So he has his hand everywhere. Oshu's case is very clear for everybody because when uh, uh, Baba Kode lost to Nyulola, you know, and the and, and uh, Tinumbu sponsored his then commissioner for works, who was number two in the hierarchy of his political leadership then. I mean, I don't know who eyes now because they seem to have fallen now, but we, you never know. The politicians, they have a way of making up, you know. So Arek Bechola ran against Oilola. It was said to be rigged. They went to court and Arek Bechola got it. Same Tinubu. Oilola, who is the current governor, is said to be Tinubu's uh, nephew. Nobody has disputed it. So they're there. They're all over the South. In Edo State, we all know that Tinubu also sponsored... Uh, uh, what's his name? Adams or Shiomole to, to get the governorship from uh, this gentleman called uh, Professor Sumbo. So it's everywhere. Now, remember in uh, 2007 when Atiku fell out with Obasanjo, Tinumbu absorbed Atiku into the AC then and Atiku was a flag bearer. They are no strangers, the two of them. We're going to be talking about them in other topics in the future because they're both going to be competing to be president of Nigeria. But we're just talking about the rampaging Bolatino I mean, today. So it, in ACN, candidate for 2007 was Atiku, promoted by Bolatino who at that time was the sole financier of that, uh, of that group, the former AD. I mean, it was common knowledge that he pushed aside the Afeniferi leaders who were his benefactors, especially the uh Adebanjos of this world, you know, maybe they were too slow for him. They were, you know, he had greater ambition and clearly it is fair to say, well, he is rampaging and he's making forests, you know, into places where we think he, he, nobody will do. The ACN in 2011 brought out no Ribadu, you know, so he's been promoting people of Ribadu is from Adamawa, you know, just like Atiku, you know, so but he's been looking for that opportunity, that incisive opportunity to break into the to the to the to, to the north. He has tried everything. They used Malakachala of APP then as AD gubernatorial candidate in 2003. They they did all sorts of things. He invested money, just like it happened to Aulo, just like it happened to Abiola. You know, you invest in the north. Sometimes you get results. You know, you win some states, you win the presidential election, they nullify it. Or, you know, I mean, Abiola won it, but he didn't get to power. Aula campaigned a lot, I know, in Bauchi, Gombe, Gongola, then, and all that. But nothing serious came out of But in 2013, Balatinobo saw the opportunity to merge with the CPC under Buhari. That, that was the major clincher. And, you know, they were able to grab power, and everybody that I know, that I've spoken to at that time said every time there was a political stalemate, party registration, infighting and all that, Tinubu always came up with a good solution. Fantastic arbitrator, 
you know, he understands the game and all that. We have to give it to him, hit him or like him. I mean, the Jagaban, as they call him, he, he has a way. You know, he's, he's somebody you look at, you don't see those traits in him. You don't see him coming, but then he's got it, yeah. Now, uh, that handshake across the Niger really helped things. That's how Buhari became president, you know, and the rest is history. And the man has said, well, it is my turn now to be president. And for some reason, he bulldozed his way through. He really did, because we did a lot of investigation. He did. He spent a lot of money. Some have said $2 billion per state, you know. But he, he has tentacles. He has business. And the APC leadership, the oligarchy, the cabal, so to say, could not stop him. He told them, it is my turn. The Graver information has it that he told them point blank that when this party was being created, there were secrets, there were things I helped to do so it is my it is payback time and maybe from what we heard from what Graver said some people don't want those secrets leaked so that's okay let him have it but now that he has it will those same people will they do thing what they did to Abiola will they allow him rule is APC popular enough on that Tinumbu to you know to, to get to power so will he succeed where Awu and Abiola feel that's the third sector that's what we're going to look at now so I don't think, I mean, it's uh, it's a tough call because I didn't think he was going to get the APC uh, nomination in the first instance. I, I, I have it on good authority that people in the cabal were very against him. But like he always told the people, he said, you know, meaning take a chill pill. I know what I'm doing, you know. He went and he, he, the popular phrase when he said, that's my turn that he's paid his dues. And part of his argument was that he had supported Nathana so many times in the past. He's been there for the party. Now he's a turn of the Southwest. That he actually has an understanding with Buhari that after Buhari's 8th year tenure, it will be the turn of the Southwest, which Buhari agreed to, even though there's nothing written in that uh, dimension, but there, there were verbal agreements and all that. So Antidibu is seriously leveraging on that. And he has a nomination. Now is the party flag bearer. Will he get it? Tough call. I mean, you know, Northerners in Nigeria, they don't do parties, they do individuals. You know, Atiku is there, he's a politically strong guy, you know. So I think a lot is going to rest on who their eventual running mates lies and where the cabal Because the way I saw Buhari and most of these people, they just said, okay, let, let him have it. Since uh, a Northerner is the candidate of PDP and the oligarchy, the way they operate is, they don't really care. They don't really care. I mean, if the machinery of state, which is controlled by the APC today, does not work in favor of Balatinumbu, then he's not going to get it. That's just the truth, you know, because for you to get power, you need support. You need the support of the police. You need the support of the state, basically. And APC has showed in, in during the second term of Buhari in 2019 that they could be a bit shameless with power. You know, they can use it brazenly, abruptly to destroy, maim, kill, and just to get the results. But are they ready to do it now? Will the levers of authority with the police, the SSS, the military, will, will it support Balatinumbu? Or is it President Atiku in the rising? But of course, we have Peter B. The people's president also, we're going to talk about that in our, in our next episode. But that's not why we're here. So you just want to say, oh, we'll ballot I think it's a very tough call. It's a very tough call. It's not impossible. It's not impossible for him to succeed. Because if we look at Aulo, Aulo war was a bit, it was more of an irredentist uh, Yoruba person, you know, more of a Southwest person. I think Aulo He's the best president Nigeria ever had, truly, if he was allowed. But he was more of a sexual person. You know, he did a lot for the Southwest. 
Awo, I think, was a bit rigid in his relationship with people in the North, even though he campaigned vociferously, especially in the part of Bauchi, the old Gongola state, you know, and all that. Those, especially among the Christians, the Sayawa people, you know, the Kaje, the Kuteb, the Kataf in Plateau and all that. But then, the, those alliances never really worked out because there were a lot of sincerity in the land. But MK, on the other hand, who cut across, you know, Vice President of Supreme Council of Islamic Affairs, consumer businessman, a direct beneficiary of the oligarchy of the military, somebody we felt they could trust and give power to, well, they didn't allow it to be. Even though he won the presidential election, he won the nomination of PDP, won the election, the rest is history. He died in detention, he was treated like a common uh common political prisoner and now you have the jagaban the ashwaju of lagos the case might be different because i do think for some reason he must have learned a lot from Awo. he must have learned a lot from rabiola and i think i think he's he's picking a lot from history i also think the way he bamboozled his way to win the nomination of the apc shows that he has the oligarchy by the balls he knows their weaknesses he knows how to use the money. He knows how to use the authority. And uh, like the, the way all the APC governor eventually backed him, they look, look, APC knows they've not done too well also. As, as a party, they've not done very well. So for them to continue in power, they might need somebody like him. And, but we don't know who's going to be running mate. They picked this, there's this guy they just picked in from Katsina just to occupy that place pending when they're able to pick... Uh, running me people have said it's going to be a muslim muslim ticket that's going to affect i don't think the nigerian system works like that you know you need votes you need you need a consummate politician from the north you know someone from kano katsina kaduna axis i mean that could be a clincher but of course i think on the other side you know he also is all over the place he has very powerful tentacles in the southwest in the south south in the southeast so but the issue is about Balati. Will he get it? Well, he has a good chance. One, because the party is represented, is a party in power. That's a lot of edge. But will that party back him all, all heartedly, 100%? We don't know. Okay? We also know, secondly, that the Northerners don't play politics according to party. You know, they, can, they, they just want to hold on to party. I've heard people from the North say, look, APC messed up so much that it would be unwise to allow a Tinubu takeover from a Buari. You know, most people in the South, Yoruba, South, 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 want a restructured Nigeria. The North does not want it. The, the common knowledge here is that the general belief, so to say, is that if uh, a Tinubu gets there, you know, promising a wound that is going to eventually restructure and probably destroy the influence of the cabal, which was one reason why Aulo and Abiola never got to power. They knew these guys knew their rights from their left, and just like them, Tinubu is the same thing. So it's it's a tough call. I I I it's 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 in my crystal ball. He, he, I think he knows what he's doing, and I think he's he's hitting the right buttons. He's doing the right place, but. In Nigeria, it, it all boils down to the man in power, which today is Buhari, you know. So, and Buhari also answers to people. There are people you call owners of Nigeria, the committee of the former head of state. You know, I don't know if some of you know about that. Yeah, General Basajo, General Babangida, General Abdul Salam, General Gowon, and T.Y. General T.Y. Danjima, even though he's not a pastor of state, but he's a very powerful. So, these people, if they don't want him, they probably won't get it. You understand? <laughs> so... 
you know that's the thing but do they want Atuku but I know the Northern has one power to reside in the North so that's it it's, it's going to be tough but he has what it takes I'm not going to beat around the bush or I'm not going to downplay it I'm not going he has the resources I've heard very 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 reliable sources said in the, during the convention his budget for each state was 2 billion some even said each of the APC governors was given 2 million dollars to support him you know I can't prove that I wasn't there but they were from extremely reliable sources and you know and for him to you know beat the governors to shape this rampaging Bolatinumbu army is here to stay whatever happens at the end of the day is going to be political relevant it's going to be stronger you know bearing any unforeseen circumstances which could be death or I mean Buari is the only person I think that can mess him up you know and Buari of course is a product of the oligarchy the Alsa Fulani oligarchy those are the owners of Nigeria you know and uh, you never can tell but it does look like the people of Nigeria the, the masses the youths are with Peter Obi right now but it's too early to call. The election is uh, still some month, eight, nine, ten months away, and uh, anything can happen. It's like yeah. So it's a wrap there. We're gonna call it a wrap. That's Atlanta discussed the rapidly Bolatinumbu army. We look at the history and assembly of the army, members of the army, the state of the army, the influence, the financial know-how, the handshake across the Niger. I have tried the Ribadu, Atiku, now Buari. Now is is the candidate of the APC. So. We'll see you next week. Next week, we're going to be talking about Pitao B. Is he a flash in the pan or the Messiah? Take care. Have a fantastic weekend ahead. God bless you all. Bye.